With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. We'll get a little draft talk in with Joe DeLeon, draft analyst and host of the first team on Stadium TV, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. Joe, we appreciate the time. How are you? I'm doing great. Getting a little rest in after the whirlwind of the, the NFL Combine and just getting ready for the NFL draft in a couple of months. Excited that it's the, the best time of the year with, with everything that's coming up. Yeah, I know you guys dig this time of year, all, but, but it is super busy, so we do appreciate the time. Let me just start with, it is such a wonderful freak show at the Combine. These guys are incredible. The talent we get to see. Real quick before we get into some specifics, do you have a favorite freak from the 2023 Combine? If you were going to talk to somebody in an elevator today and they said, hey, give me one name, who was your, do you have a favorite? guy coming out of it i mean we got to bring up the one guy that everyone's buzzing about which is anthony richardson and i know it's a little too cliche at this point it's a little overdone but for a guy to run a 4 4 40 at 244 pounds and at six foot four to make some of the deep throws look so easy the way that he did he is such an explosive athlete and i understand why it's become such a divisive topic and it's become such a, a controversial opinion that no one sits in between. No one thinks that Anthony Richardson is going to go to the NFL and just be average. He's either going to be an all pro or he might be really terrible if, if things don't work out and he doesn't go to the right situation. But it was crazy watching him move like that. I don't think we've ever seen uh, an, an NFL quarterback test like that before. And if he hits, man, I'm excited to see what kind of damage he can do at the next level. You know, Joe, you just mentioned Anthony Richardson and the show that he put on in Indianapolis, and it makes you think about Bryce Young and the things that he didn't do. Now, I know he met the way that, you know, these 32 NFL GMs could be cool with, and plus, you know, the height, you're all right with that. But when you see, you know, the ball placement that C.J. Stroud was putting on, and again, what Anthony Richardson did, you could get why Bryce Young didn't participate in all the events. Yeah, that's where I stand on this. And coming into the week, I did some other radio spots where people are asking me, justifiably, is it going to hurt Bryce Young? But notice how right now most people aren't talking about Bryce Young, which is what he wanted. That was the, the good positive out of this is that he wasn't under five foot ten like some people believed, and he was over 200 pounds, and he came in with pretty big hands for his size too, which was a positive. But because he didn't throw, no one's sitting here playing the comparison game of, him to Richardson, who we would have thrown in the same group as him, or him to C.J. Stroud, who we knew coming into the day was the most natural passer in this class. He's got just such a natural, easy arm, and we're not doing that. We're comparing Anthony Richardson to Will Levis. We're comparing C.J. Stroud to Levis and Richardson, and we're trying to decide where does this all fit. But because Young didn't do any of the testing or the throwing, we're not really having that debate. We're going to get to see it as pro day, and hopefully he puts up some good numbers. But I, I think that Young might be a sneaky winner from, from the weekend because he didn't put himself in a potentially negative situation by having a bad number or a couple bad throws in the throwing session. 
Talking NFL Draft with Joe DeLeon. Again, check out the Believe Podcast Network. He's the host of the first team on Stadium TV. Um, Joe, in, just to stay with the quarterbacks, because of Richardson, when you look at this draft, do you think all four of these quarterbacks might be gone top 10 or maybe it extends into the top 15? Where do you think this stands now after the combine? I absolutely think that it's more likely than not that we have four go in the top 10. I just think as we've seen in the history of the NFL draft, with any position, but especially quarterback, once teams get desperate and they realize that if they can't go and get a guy at the position that they need, or even for the quarterback's sake, a guy that they really like, say a team is in love with Will Levis, if they're worried and they're picking outside of the top 10, if they're worried that somebody might come up and get them, they're not going to take that risk. They're going to trade up. They're not going to wait. I, I look back at what the, the New York Giants did back when they drafted Daniel Jones. I think most people would have agreed that Daniel Jones was realistically supposed to go in the top 15, but because of the fact that the Giants didn't want to risk out on that possibility to not get him and not be able to draft him, they drafted him at six, which is way earlier than he should have gone. I think that this class is more talented than that year's class, uh, so I think that there's going to be a really early run. All it takes is one team to trade up, and I think that we could have a team of uh, or a flurry of teams trading up with the Cardinals and with the Bears to get in position to draft their quarterbacks. Joe, we know the value of running back is not the same that we would see in the 90s. And, you know, being at the horn, we saw a lot of B. John Robinson these last three years. We know that he's going to be the first running back taken. And he didn't have to do everything that he did in Indianapolis this past weekend, but he did, and he did it well. Do you see anybody moving up for him in the first round because of what he did in Indianapolis, or where do you see Bijan Robinson going at this point? I think Bijan really solidified where he belongs in the first round, somewhere in the middle of the first round, maybe even at that 10 spot for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, which is where I believe is the first most likely selection because the team that's going to draft Bijan is going to be a team that has uh, a solidified offense and not as many major needs that they need to address. So the Eagles fit that exactly. Uh, Miles Sanders might not be coming back, so for them to get Bijan and to throw him into the mix, you're going from having the best rushing attack in the NFL to having potentially an unstoppable one. Bijan is that good, and I think in his first season, he's good enough to go for over 1,200 rushing yards, assuming he plays the full year. He is that good of a player. But to your point, didn't need to do the testing, but I would actually throw out there that him testing and him looking as clean and as efficient as he could in all those drills, he looked like a completely different athlete compared to some of these other guys. There were these various bag drills that you saw some of the more mid-round players. Guys were tripping over the bag. Guys weren't clearing them as easily. They weren't as smooth. But Bijan, man, not only is he explosive, but he just looked like the easiest athlete, maybe even at the combine. I honestly believe that Bijan might be the best overall football player in this class. He is that good of an athlete. Now, he's a running back, so no one's going to draft him first overall, and we're not going to take a, him over a quarterback or an offensive lineman. But overall, I think he is the best football player in this class, and his impact in the NFL could be immediate. 
Talking uh, with Joe DeLeon, NFL Draft Talk here on the Horn. Uh, Joe, uh, for me and a lot of Cowboys fans, it would crush their soul if the Eagles uh, did take him at 10. Uh, So let's move to the Cowboys, though. By the time it gets to 26, there are some Longhorn fans around these parts that would love for Bijan to still be there at 26, but that probably doesn't happen now. So tell me about the Cowboys at 26. What do you think they should be looking for? Is there a match that you kind of uh, felt for them that makes sense? Yeah, I think for where the Cowboys are picking and their needs that make the most sense, this receiver class is going to have most of their top guys go in the back end of the first round. I could very well see an added receiver into the mix uh, to to pair with C.D. Lamb. Maybe it's somebody like Josh Downs or Jalen Hyatt or Zay Flowers. Uh, I also would pay attention to maybe some of the defensive backs that are available, somebody like Brian Branch, or if there are some of these DBs like Clark Phillips from Utah that are on the board. I think as we get towards the back end of the first round, the options definitely do get a little bit uh, less exciting. One other thing I would pay attention to as well is that if, if Dalton Schultz isn't coming back and they need to address tight end and they want to do it in the draft, this is the year to do it. There's a lot of talent in this tight end class, and Michael Mayer's probably not going to be on the board but I think it's more realistic than someone to admit that Dalton Kincaid, uh, the uh, very talented player out of Utah, I think that he could be in the mix for that spot. I would be willing to take him that early at the back end of the first round, and I think that he'd be an instant impact player. Uh, maybe not like a super high-volume player, but a highly impactful rookie at tight end for the Cowboys. Joe, who at the Combine were you a little disappointed with, you know, coming into the Combine you thought they would test better and maybe hurt their draft stock a little bit? Yeah, uh, I think that that one person who definitely didn't test as as well as uh, I was hoping for was, well, the one biggest disappointment was Andrew Voorhees. And uh, the injury that he suffered was, was just so devastating for him because I, I wanted to see how was, he was going to move. And I know it's for a different reason. I think that there weren't too many guys at the Combine that were very massive negative players. But Voorhees, for me, was the biggest one where I wanted to see how was he going to move up against some of these other guys because I had some movement concerns for him. But he ends up tearing his ACL, and he goes down really early. And he's had an injury history in the past. And having him suffering an injury at the Combine is always going to be a detriment to one's draft stock because it's so late in the process. He's not going to be able to complete any of his other workouts. Uh, but I think that there's going to be some question marks for a guy like Andrew Voorhees on what is his longevity in the NFL as a guy who was a six-year player at USC uh, and also somebody who, again, has sustained multiple injuries. Is he going to be somebody who is routinely hurt? I think right now for me, I'd be willing to draft him somewhere on day three, and he's probably going to be a long-term backup. But I don't know if his body can take a, a full season of NFL hits as a starter. Mm. Talking NFL draft with Joe DeLeon. Joe, uh, just full disclosure, Zay and I have both been Darnell Washington marks since he jumped over that dude at Oregon. Uh, and then at the combine when he made the one-handed catch, as a Cowboys fan, I admit it, I kind of wanted him at that point. Did he do enough to you think maybe get into a late first round type of discussion? Or is that just me falling for a combine freak? I think he belongs in that late first-round discussion. I think that he's going to get brought up, and I think some teams are going to be interested in him. He's certainly a top-five tight end in this class in my eyes. I even just tweeted out a video a few hours ago 
of, of Darnell Washington making just a, a very similar catch, not in the end zone, but where he just extends, puts his hand up, plucks the ball out of the air. And, and that jump ball ability is so rare and it's so valuable in the NFL. My only concern with Darnell Washington is that he doesn't really have any evidence to point to to say that he can be a high-volume type of a tight end in the NFL. So I'm willing to draft him early, somewhere on day two, maybe more as a a very high-value second tight end that is a very impactful blocker. We know that he's a really good blocker, but if he can be somebody who can catch more than 30 balls a year, that I don't know for sure. Uh, but I think if you do draft them on day two, it makes it a little bit more of a safer cushion for drafting someone like that. But the hype makes sense because he's six seven. He runs a, a four six. He has some of the best jumps out of any of the tight ends. He moves so easily. Uh, Darnell Washington's a really exciting player. So uh, I definitely am buying into the hype as well. Yeah. Joe, Jalen Carter, we know what happened with him last week being arrested for that horrific incident that happened in Athens a couple of months ago. But if that didn't happen, he might be talked about as the number one pick still. Now, after it happening, where do you think he's going to go and how far do you think he's going to drop? Yeah, I, I believe after all of this, he's still somewhere in the top 10. I, I think that there was a lot of shock with how things played out and the way that his name was tied to the death of a teammate and also the death of somebody that is associated with the, the Georgia program. But if we read into it a little bit more, he's not being held liable for their deaths. He's instead being held accountable for uh, reckless driving and the very poor decisions that he made that night. Uh, I think what comes down to that is that some teams might not take him off their board, but are just going to be wary of taking him and are going to be very aggressive in doing their due diligence because the talent's there. This is not a guy like a guy that you know was maybe a fringe player that we were maybe considering putting in the top 10 or the top 15, he was good enough to go first overall, as you said. I think he and Will Anderson are the two best players in this class. I think some teams are going to be willing to take that risk, but there is going to be a worry of, like, is this a guy that we're going to get a phone call on a Thursday night before a game? Is he going to do something stupid that could jeopardize the season? And we don't want to waste a pick on a guy who's not focused and not mature. But uh, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of homework done on him now especially because of his talent level. And maybe somebody in the back end of the top 10, if he slides a little bit, would be getting a steal if they can confirm that uh, he can get his, uh, his actions in line and, and not make any more bad decisions like this. Joe, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you a Texans question. I saw a couple of mock drafts that maybe even had the idea of him slipping to Houston at 12. I think Texans fans might be happy with that kind of a talent get at 12. Talk to me about those two picks for them. They're sitting right now at 2 and 12. Um, what's the perfect scenario for you, for the Texans, uh, if they come out of those two picks with what and what? what what's successful for you? I think that that first pick that they have at two, they they 100% need to draft the quarterback. There is going to be a flurry of teams that are moving up the trade, as we talked about earlier, to go and get their guy. And I don't think that Davis Mills is the guy. They need to take advantage of a, a very rare and unique opportunity, which is to be picking in the top two and to select the quarterback. And whoever goes first, if it ends up being Bryce Young, it puts them in a position to go and get whoever they like the second best. I I do have an indication that the Texans aren't the biggest fans of Young because of his size. So I think that 
if that does happen and Young does go first, it probably would be C.J. Stroud or maybe Will Levis. But C.J. Stroud is, is to me, the more safer pick. Uh, at 12, if they do get Jalen Carter, that is an absolute steal for them. Uh, but outside of that, I, I see them needing some edge help. I see them needing a little bit of a boost in their pass rush. They got a really talented corner in Derek Stingley, who I don't think got enough buzz for how he did last year, but add some talented edge rushers that are worthy of being selected in the top 15 this year. I look at Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, who is a tall, long, explosive athlete. I look at a Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, who's also a, a massive player who got some really nice athletic traits. Even if Miles Murphy's on the board, I'd be willing to take him in that spot. But get your premier edge rusher, get some pass rush, get a little juice in that uh, pass rush game. And I think that you come out with a great draft if you get a pass rusher and a quarterback. We are only 51 days away from the NFL draft. That's Joe DeLeon. Check out the first team on Stadium TV, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you're on Twitter, at Joe DeLeon, it is just that simple. Joe, we appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the after combine, before draft rest, and uh, hopefully we can talk to you down the road, man. It was good stuff. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Joe. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, Joe DeLeon uh, with some interesting thoughts there. Yeah, looking at a if I'm a Texans fan, the idea that this Carter situation could have him fall to 12. Yeah. You just wait, stay patient, cross your fingers, and if he's still sitting there, oh my goodness. that'd be I, I think that'd be an, about as easy a card as you could turn in.